You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Do you stand with me as we read the Word of God together? There's only two verses this morning, so it's going to be a quick stand if you're able. Uh, but we're in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. You can see it on the screen there. And uh, let me read it for us, and then we'll pray. It says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of God. All right, well, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. And I pray that we will have a deeper grasp, a deeper love for it because of what it is. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds this morning, that you'll soften us, that you'll take away any hardness in our hearts, any evil, that, you'll, that we will be able to purge that and believe and trust in your word fully, and that we will serve you with everything that we have, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right, you can grab a seat. Kids, let me ask you a question. All right, I've got a couple questions for you kids this morning. You do have a handout with some questions on it. You can actually take home. I encourage you to read the back half with your parents, moms and dads. Uh, But the question for you is this, all right? Pay attention. All right, eyes forward, all you little kids. All right, are you ready? When mom or dad says something to you, and you, like, clean up the dishes or take your dishes to the counter or clean up your clothes or clean up your bedroom or whatever it might be, and you don't do it, what is that called? Disobeying. That is a fun word, isn't it? Disobeying. So let me ask you another question now. If you do the thing they asked you to do, what is that called? I heard obeying. Nice. And those are massive polar opposites, right? So we have the North Pole and the South Pole, all right? Similar to obedience and disobedience. They're far away from one another, all right? There's huge, big, big difference. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about in our text this morning that we read that's on your sheets and also for you parents. I want to go through these things and see... Uh, that there's been a theme of disobedience. There's been a theme of listen and obey. There's been this theme all through the Hebrew text that we've read thus far up until our verses this morning. So let me take a look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Again, this is to catch you guys up. You kids, you've been in Sunday school. Your parents have been in Sunday school too. Here, all right? So this is what we've been learning and long ago, it says that many times and in many ways, now hear this, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he, God, so God has spoken to us by his son. Who's his son? Jesus, right? Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now, even we forget and miss some of the things that is saying here in this, these first two verses. Now, this, these two verses are saying some massive things. 
Number one, Jesus speaks. Number two, Jesus owns everything. And number three, Jesus created everything. That's what we learn in these two verses. Jesus speaks, Jesus owns, and Jesus creates. It's such a sweet thing. Now look what else we learned in verse or chapter 2, verse 1. It says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So who is against speaking? Jesus. So what have we heard? Jesus is the one speaking. He's the one that owns. He's the one that creates. And the, the, the author here is going, don't miss this. Don't go away from what you've heard. Then last month you saw this diagram. You guys remember this diagram? It's a, it was a lot messier, right? Last time you guys were here, we, we went through this diagram. And it was creation. You can follow left to right. Creation. We got the manifestation, which means that Jesus came out of the realm of heaven and entered into the realm of death for mankind. Right? He went down and put flesh and blood on, lived a perfect life that we could not, died the penalty that we deserve on the cross, was buried, and then rose again, and then appeared to a whole bunch of people all at one time. And then ascended into heaven, where he was living as king, sitting on the throne with the Father, And one day he's going to come back again for his church. Those who believe and confess with their heart and believe uh, that God is who he says he is, that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, and you will be saved. You will live eternally with him. This is the story of the Bible. And this is the story of actually chapter 2 of Hebrews, looking at verses 9 all the way to the end of chapter 2. It's such a sweet, sweet text of Scripture. This is God's kingship, Jesus' kingship in that chapter 2. And it's really important to go back to and take a look at it. Then in chapter 3, we learned about Jesus' faithfulness. And another way to look at this, remember I talked about obedience and disobedience? That's Jesus being obedient to his Father. So his Father, God the Father, was telling Jesus to do something and Jesus was obedient to it. He, fulf- he was faithful. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, which means those that have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are now family, brothers and sisters. And this, these next words are insane. You who share in a heavenly calling. You brothers and sisters... Share in a heavenly calling. Seriously? And what is this heavenly calling? Is go and make disciples. This is why we pray for the persecuted church. We go and make disciples of all nations, pointing to Jesus. And as you do this heavenly calling, which we share in, consider Jesus. Look at Him. How He was faithful to His Father. So our encouragement is actually look at Jesus' faithfulness that we too might fulfill the heavenly calling that we have. Be faithful as Jesus is faithful. And at the end of that passage, is in, I think it's verse 6, is that our confidence, our boast, and our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. Because of Jesus' actions and his words. So kids, we are to be faithful here is just a shadow to be faithful to our moms and our dads is 
is a foreshadow, is a picture to be faithful to our Heavenly Father and Jesus. It's a foreshadow. See, another question for you kids. What happens, and this is where I hear it a lot, right? What, what happens when your, your parents kind of see you doing something or about to do something? Like, there's a candle up here. Jared, don't touch the candle. Don't, it'll burn it. Don't, wait, wait, wait. Right? Or don't eat that. Or don't cross the road without looking. Like, those are good things, right? Do you know why your parents do these? Why they warn you? Don't touch that. Don't eat that. Don't do that. They do that because they love you. These are warnings of love. They care for you deeply. That's why they have certain boundaries for you as kids. Because they know that much more. They, they were kids one time. Believe it or not. Your moms and dads were kids. Crazy. Right? I, never, I didn't always have a beard. And I had hair one time. I just grew through it. All right? this is, that's why I'm so tall. I grew through my hair. All right? You can believe that or not. All right? So th- there's warnings that we have in the scripture, and there's all kinds of warnings that we see in our text of Hebrews. All right? So when we see this, is because Jesus loves you. He gives you warnings because he loves you as his children, as his brothers and his sisters, as his family. So when you read or hear commands of God, would they then be loving or because he somehow wants to harm you? See, our world a lot of times goes, like, I don't want to listen to all these commands that the Lord has for me. I just want to do my own thing. You're actually disobeying and, or not listening or ignoring some, someone that loves you deeply. And this is exactly what we are called to do. These aren't warnings that are bad for us. These are warnings that are actually good for us. So now look at some of the commands we have been seeing in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8. It says, do not harden your hearts. Now, kids, that's sometimes hard. And Hebrews 3, 8 said, do not harden your hearts. Like, what does that mean, harden my heart? Well, that means, like, I'm not listening to the one who speaks. Remember, the one who speaks is Jesus. The one who creates is Jesus. The one who owns all things is Jesus. He is speaking to you, and he's going, don't harden your ears or your heart to listen to me, because I have something good for you. So don't harden yourself towards the Lord. And if you do harden yourself, what you're actually doing is you're, you're ignoring or you're rebelling. You're doing exactly the opposite, the polar opposite of what God is calling you to do. And I'm saying all this stuff because guess what? Your moms and dads need to hear this too. I need to hear this. Again, another warning is this, and this is where we need to hear this, is in chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. You're not believing the very word that's been spoken to you. So this is evil. And we all have hearts like this, don't we? We sometimes don't believe what mom or dad are telling us. That is an unbelieving heart. What is worse is not believing God who made you. This is truly an evil, unbelieving heart because God is perfectly holy, perfectly just, and perfectly good. And then we see in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19, they were unable to enter this rest because of unbelief or a disobedience. 
They ignored the voice that they were hearing from Jesus. And that because of them ignoring or disbelieving, they were not able to enter the rest. Just like sometimes when we disobey mom or dad, we're not able to enter the rest that we want or do the thing that we want because now we've been disobedient, so now we are in discipline. And again, it's all loving action. See, worse than this of not believing or unbelief is in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. We're getting closer to our text here. It says the people didn't even listen to the word from God through Jesus. It says, for good news, good news, not bad news, good news came to us just as to them. And that's that picture that I had up there earlier. That's the good news that came to, to us and to them, those the forefathers before us. But the message they heard did not benefit them because why? They were not united by faith with those who listened. Right? So this rebellion of not listening doesn't happen just when you're kids. It happens when you're adults too. It happens all the time. And there are times that we don't listen. We ignore. So why do we ignore? Why do we not listen to the, the warnings that were given in the Scripture? Simply put, is because we want what we want more than what God wants. That's why we ignore the warnings. That's why we ignore the instruction. That's why we ignore the commands, the statutes, and the laws. Because we want what we want more than what God wants. We do this by not listening, by not believing, by ignoring actions of Jesus, His perfect actions, His perfect words. So let's tackle our text now in these amazing two verses. And I've really made them say, pretty much describe out of these, out of these two verses, just the outline is the Word and the Lord. Verse 12 is the Word. Verse 13 is the Lord. You can see it. We'll see it uh, more clearly as we read through it again. But this is what we're called to. Obedience to the Word. Obedience to the Lord. So verse 12, look at it again. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now there's four descriptive words here, and you can write these down. You can see it in your text, kids. You have it on your paper. You can actually circle them and then write them down later or whatever you want. But you can see the four there. There's living and active is number one. Right? Sharp is number two. Piercing is number three. And discerning is number four. So we have living and active, sharp, piercing, and discerning. And as we get started, we need to tie these two verses with the greater context of the letter of Hebrews. And that's why I've been giving this long intro. Helping us remember the, the, the warnings, the exhortation to listen, to not disbelieve, but to believe. So let me read verse 11, just the one verse before our text. And it says, let, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of, again, here's our word, disobedience. What is this unbelief, this disobedience, and this the, the disobedience to run away from the rest that we're offered in Jesus Christ? And so maybe you've read these verses before, moms and dads. This is actually a warning, these verses. They're a warning to pay attention to. 
to take care, to listen. And these are actually pretty much the glue, the Word and the Lord is the glue to all things. And when you think about glue, kids, like you use it quite a bit, maybe you stick two pieces of paper together. It's meant to bond, it's meant to secure, it's meant to maybe put things that were broken back together. And the glue here of the Bible is the Word and the Lord. And you can't separate the two. It's impossible to separate the two, the Word and the Lord. Some people try, but it's actually impossible. We can see this actually clearly in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, when it says this In the beginning, remember, Jesus is the Creator. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Interesting. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. You can see the Bible is saying the same thing over and over and over again. Jesus is the Creator. Jesus is the one speaking. He is the Word. So you can't separate the two. From the Word and the Lord, they're one and the same. See, we're seeing this throughout the letter. Pay attention. Take care. Be faithful. Put your confidence, your boast, your hope in Jesus. And like last week, enter His rest. See, the author here is pleading with us. He's pleading with us. Unless, of course, you are not one who has listened, believed, or had faith in the very one that has spoken, you haven't trusted in the bonding power of Jesus and His Word. Now, there, like I've said, there are four descriptors of the Word that we see in verse 12, and then one more descriptor in verse 13. So we're going to hit those now together. And at first read, the Word is described as an amazing weapon, a sword that cuts deep. Right, that separates what seems to be inseparable. What the author is getting at is that the word that you have heard, the scripture that you have read, is actually reading you. It is powerful enough to reveal to you what might have been hidden from even your own eyes. See, the first descriptor of the word is that it is living and active. And I'm not sure if you've slowed down and actually read these two verses before, but being living and active, it started to make me think, how has this changed me? How is the living Word beginning to change me? And the first thing that I thought of was this story back when I was in grade 10. And I was sitting in my car outside my house and sitting on the street, and my, one of my best friends, like best friends, looks at me and goes, Jared, do you realize your words cut deep to people? Like, not in a good way. And man, I'll never forget that. It was a loving word to me. Your sarcasm is hurting people. And you don't even know it. And God's living word since that time has moved the sarcasm to encouragement. Now, I'm not perfect. There's still that sarcasm that comes out. But I, I effort now to encourage. And the living word has changed me in multiple ways and continues to work on me in, in humility, in my aggression, in, in, in my anger, and in my lust. And there have been times in my life that I wanted so badly to do what I knew was wrong. But because of the word, 
I just, I couldn't. Because it was living and active in me. And there is multiple times that that has taken place, and I can share with you if you want one-on-one. But man, it's been such a sweet thing for me. When I'm in the Word, it keeps me from the very things that my flesh wants to do. So I know that this Word is living and active. I can tell you personal experience of how it has been living and active in my life. And it has changed me from one degree of holiness to the next. But man, friends, there are days in my week that the temptation to do the very thing I hate is palpable. It's palpable. I can feel it. Like I want this, but I know I, not, I shouldn't do it. But, and so it takes the Word of God to be living and active not to go that direction. And it's words like in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, where it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Or Romans chapter 7, verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right. Didn't you? Like we, I think we all have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. We need the living and active word in us to carry out the good that we desire. I often go to 1 Corinthians. That's where my Bible is turned to. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's not on the screen. Uh, this is one that I read for myself often. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Let me read it for myself and you guys can just be in my, my personal space here for a moment. I, I read it like this. Hey, Jer, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So, Jer, run to receive the prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, and they do it to receive a perishable wreath. Jer, we do it to receive an imperishable. So, Jared, do not run aimlessly. Do not beat the air. But discipline your body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, you should be disqualified. Sobering, living and active, challenging you when the temptation is palpable. Jeremiah 23, 29 on your screen, it says this, is not my word like fire. Like that's, that's such a sweet line. I love fire. Love it. All right? Super warm, super cozy. Love it around the campfire. It's not like that. That's kind of like his word. It's, it's, but it's dangerous, right? Don't touch it. Don't get too close. Don't get burned by it. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The rock of your heart, the hardness that you tend to disbelieve, that you tend to ignore, is not my word like trying to break that up? See, by my testimony of my brokenness and how at times I can feel the pressure and temptations of sin, <clears throat> I want to encourage you, look deeply in your heart as well this week. 
What are those things that are coming after you? What are those temptations? What are those things that maybe are hardened? May you use the sword that cuts deep for your good in God's glory. I'll go through a little bit faster in these next couple. The word is also sharp. It says, again, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Some theologians uh, look at this because of the context of the exhortation and the words just before the living and active would say this is maybe not a sword that is to kill, but actually a, a, a thin sword to, to cut deeply, but not precision, like with precision rather than just slashing. And some have even said that it would be more likened to a scalpel rather than a sword to cut away the fleshy parts that have attached themselves so closely to the spirit. It is sharp, meaning that it will sting, but won't leave, you, leave a gaping hole that will not heal you. And the one wielding this type of weapon will be one that is loving to the point of discerning the heart. Friends, this is how we ought to wield this amazing sword, this amazing weapon. We are to wield it in such a way to not harm, not to beat people over with, but to use it that it might cut deeply and precisely into the moment where they need help and healing. This is the Word of God. It is living and active and it is sharp to do the sharp surgery that needs to take place in all of our hearts. The word is then described as piercing. It says, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. And the word of God divides the most secret intentions of our hearts. The most secret intentions of our hearts. And maybe you can actually think of one right now that you don't want to display. It reveals the heart in ways that no human has the ability to. Our flesh wants to bind with the spirit, not to be changed, but to distort, to cause disunity discomfort, and to divide. See, we see this today in some churches calling wrong right and right actions and belief wrong. We also see this in our own lives, don't we? Making allowances in our lives to do what we want to do. Seeing that we want everything that the church offers but not willing to fully engage as we are called to. We want to know others but are unwilling to be known. We want others to trust us but are unwilling to trust. We want others to love us but are unwilling to love. See, the more we hold back because of the fear of being known or the fear of being hurt, we take steps towards hardening our hearts to the very tool that can heal us. I would love for us to be at a place where we have that trust, where we have that love, where we have that encouragement from one another, where we can be open and honest. And that takes a lot of work to be vulnerable in that way. But aren't we all sinners? Aren't we all in need of grace and mercy in our lives? See, the word is piercing, it is sharp, and the harder we hold on to the things of the flesh, the deeper it cuts. The Word is calling us to live different with one another. To live different with one another. To know each other intimately. As brothers and sisters. To love, to know, to encourage, to unite, to bear with one another for the sake of the Word and the Lord. To enter His rest. To believe and obey Him. To be faithful to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. To live under the supremacy of Jesus at all times. And to open our... 
to be open and honest with one another, allowing the word to affect change in our lives daily, like we learned a few weeks ago. We are to exhort one another daily. And lastly, it is described as discerning. It says discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you know their book can claim this type of power and authority, no other book. See, this book will challenge, will encourage, will awaken you to things you have never seen in yourself before. It is living and active. It is sharp and it is piercing. And my prayer this week is that you will see that this word is the same word that came as flesh and blood. That came to to pay the penalty that we deserve. To awaken us. to, To give us new birth, new life. That we might live holy towards Him allowing Him to be our propitiation for our sins and our salvation, that we might live to glory. See, to cut away, to cut you in a way that is healing rather than harming, and to pierce you in such a way that will transform you to surrender to the only true God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This word can do those things. And in Hebrews, this word to the church, this is how we enter His death. This is by the word of God. Trust in this word that you have heard spoken to you from the creator, from the one who owns all things. And that's exactly how it transitions in our text today. It is the word, and verse 13, it transitions subtly to the Lord. Take a look at verse 13 again. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See, there is a clear shift from word from the word to the Lord, and the author of Hebrews is making it crystal clear that nothing can hide from him. We live in quorum deu. You've heard me say this before. It's a it's a phrase that means that we literally live under the face of God at all times. Quorum deo. We are always in the presence of the Lord. We are not far off. He is right here with us at all times, seeing all things and seeing the depths of our hearts. And that ought to lead us to faithfulness and obedience and trust. Because He's a loving Father that wants us to obey. See, all will be exposed. With this fifth description, of exposure, of exposed, also comes an action on our part. And it's action that oftentimes we run away from. The action of confession. We don't like being wrong. We don't. I'm not sure if I've ever met anybody yet. Oh, I love being wrong. I don't think I've ever met that person. Uh, but when we, when we realize our wrongness, our depravity before a holy God, this action of confession is, the, is, is one that we ought to run to. And this, kids, you've probably heard me say multiple times, and you have to heard me say this multiple times over this last month, is that we are to listen, that we are to surrender, that we are to, here's the word, confess and receive and abide. Those five applications run through the book of Hebrews. Listen to the word that's been spoken to you. Surrender to it. Confess your brokenness before Him and receive His amazing forgiveness, His mercy, His grace. 
and the salvation that he offers you from the cross and abide now in him. See, there's no one else that we are called to give an account to but Jesus. That's it. Here, again, it's like a shadow. We are to go to those that we have wronged and confess our sin to them. And that's just a shadow of what one day we will stand before the Lord when he comes back and we are to, to give an account of what we have done. And without Jesus, you will stand condemned. There's nothing that you can do on this side of the cross to earn yourself salvation. You need the rest of Jesus. You need the, the propitiation of Jesus. You need the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. You need his life. You need his death. You need his resurrection. And you need his appearing. You need Jesus. This is the only way to salvation. And there is one day, and this is one of my favorite verses in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 12, and it says Jesus is going to come back one day and pick up this world like it's a garment on the ground and roll it up, and it's going to be done. And at that day, we will stand before the Lord, either with great joy because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and our belief and our trust in it, or we'll stand in great fear because we will have to stand before a holy God without any provision. May this sharpness, may this word that is before us sharpness, may the word pierce us and divide what is bad in us that we might run to the good, that we might run to the word, that we might run to the Lord, the very glue that is meant to bind you together to heal what has been broken, and to give you new life. So I said earlier, we want what we want over what God wants. May we turn for the, and love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may we want what the Lord wants at all times. And may we as a church encourage one another in that daily and exhort one another regularly. Let's pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, I thank you so much for your word that it is living and active, that your word is sharp, that your word is piercing to divide, and that your word is discerning the evil within our hearts, the, the brokenness within our hearts, the fracture that is in our hearts, that we might see it more clearly, Lord, that you would soften us to see these things that we might fall deeply in love with you. And Lord, as we prepare ourselves for this amazing season, this remembrance that you came 2,000 years ago in a manger, humble, that we might live because of your love. So I just pray, Lord, that as we sing now, as we, as we worship you, may our worship be because of of your love for us, of your sacrifice for us, of your, of your life, your death, your resurrection for us. May our worship be because of you, Jesus, not because of anything that we have done, but because of all that you have done. And I pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.